السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله أما بعد Brothers and sisters in Islam, welcome back to part two of an important conversation needed to be had around COVID-19 uh, entitled Islamic Perspectives, Political Implications. With me today, alhamdulillah, is Brother Ramzi, missing in action last week. Brother yeah. Ramzi, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Um, I understand that last week um, you stubbed your toe or had a scratch on the elbow. What was it? <laughs> uh, it was actually uh, a bit of a cold. But uh obviously given the uh hysteria um and the anxiousness of uh of everyone, including myself, subhanAllah, so we had to take precautions, um some self isolation. Alhamdulillah. Self reflection and you're a lot better this week and Alhamdulillah. It's great to have you. You were missed. You were missed, uh, you were here in spirit, uh, but inshallah we'll have a very engaging, very productive conversation today. Um, look, let's kick things off. There are lots, there is a lot to consider. Today we're yep. going to be focused on um, the political implications of COVID, yep. some of the geopolitical insights in relation to it. Mm -hmm. Last week we spoke mostly about the Islamic perspective on things. Mm -hmm. um, let me open the conversation and say, look, there are a lot of opinions about uh, the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Um, some you would be willing to entertain and there are others which um, you will have to hold yourself um, from giggling. And most importantly, some be beyond our expertise. So I think a lot of, um, a lot of people should keep that in mind. And uh, subhanAllah, if, if you do not have the knowledge or the expertise, then yep. it's better to stay quiet. Now you can have your own personal view that you share with your friends and your smaller circle, but when you start going online and propagating your views on in, in particular areas or especially in mm. the medical sphere and that's when things obviously get dangerous look, let me get straight to the point Ramsey. <laughs> um did the illuminati create this virus i don't know about that actually let me let me check youtube <laughs> <laughs> subhanallah look, I, know, I know it's a light-hearted <laughs> conversation but sometimes it's quite disempowering to hear a lot of opinions that emerge yeah um you know that we need to draw a line between um, political analysis mm. and ultimately what can only be described and I say this trying to say this most respectfully mm. um, what can be termed conspiracy theory mm. um, how do we distinguish between the two well an important matter to keep in mind is that what are the facts obviously there's uh, there are the facts and there's political analysis um, and for some reason some people want to push through the third realm which is you know what you what what I know but you don't know mm. or what the masses think uh, and what I think um, or how they're being tricked and things like that but obviously an important aspect is it's it's the it's it's based on the facts what are the facts what, what information do we know and more important what information right, do we not fire. know yes or no um, did the Americans land on the moon <laughs> as far as we, as far as the facts told us, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, have we reached Mars? Uh, by a probe, but not not humans. <laughs> um, do you believe in Area Fifty One? Uh, I believe it is, but I have no comments on what it is. <laughs> what it is? <laughs> okay. The Bermuda Triangle? Yes or no? Um, it's 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 a location. <laughs> I have no comments. I haven't experienced it. I don't know what it is. What? It... <laughs> okay. Um, all right. You're in. <laughs> you're in um, yeah, yeah. look on an important point like I know you know we, we take this as an introduction to the conversation no um, but you're alluding to the point about facts yep um, for political analysis we need information of course um, we need to assess tangible realities mm -hmm. and we can't go off figments of imagination yes um, I think one of the most disempowering um, elements to these sorts of conversations is um, tying your fate to what well, ultimately is the unseen. Yes. Um, and there is, you know, there's been a lot of conversation around this and why people do this and why people find comfort in that. Mm -hmm. um, it's easy to project um, one's insecurities or feelings of powerlessness um, and to, you know, place the burden of responsibility on the shoulders of an unknown because ultimately it lifts the burden off yourself. Yeah, it's convenient. It's very convenient. Yeah. 
right? And but at the same time, respectfully, um, the line between analysis and conspiracy is not exactly um, that clear as well. No, it's blurred um, many times. But the important thing is we need to base our analysis on tangible realities. Mm. We need to have information at hand, tangible information. Um, but in the world of politics, that's not always possible as well. You won't have all the information you need. Okay. You won't have all the data sets you need. Um, and governments won't reveal everything they have either. Mm-hmm. Um, so there needs to be uh, a mechanism by which you know, we can test the veracity of competing claims. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately it comes down not just to information or to, to, the, to the data we have, but the framework in which we employ it. That's very important. Yep. Right? So someone can come to us and say, look, you know, democratic states are quite benevolent institutions, and when they um, embark upon world expeditions, they're doing it for the betterment of all humanity. Mm. Well, I, I mean, it's it's that exact track record that we, that mm. these countries and um, states have had so far mm. that fuel this, right? So, um, if someone says, "But, but you know, democratic states believe in human rights," what do you say? Well. That's, that's firstly the, the explain what human rights is. Is it, is it their rights or is it the entirety of humanity? When when a, a state looks at a, its own citizens mm. and and places them on a pedestal and the rest of humanity uh, on a different level, then where is the humanity in that? Yeah, hundred percent. And again, it goes back to the track records. Now uh, we, we know what the Brits did throughout history. We know what the Americans have done throughout history. Um, and and a lot of information, obviously, some information is is revealed and some some isn't. Some of it shows up in movies, and people want to run and and, and uh, put things together. But the, the the and an important aspect is that they don't have the best re- track record. So that that you could understand where these conspiracy mm. theories come from, and then it's not far fetched. Okay. Well, on the issue of <coughs> COVID nineteen. Um, let's entertain the question of um, its source. Yep. Um, biological, invented in a lab, or naturalistic? Is it just a product of our environment, like all other germs and all other viruses that exist, that morph, that change? Or is this biological warfare? Look, the, the information that we have, and again, I'm not a medical expert and neither are you. We have... But I watch YouTube like you. <laughs> Also, the Facebook groups and <laughs> <laughs> some Facebook groups that you don't want to reveal. <laughs> Nevertheless, what the information that, that we, we can see here is it's 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 a naturalistic mm. causes. Um, there's nothing that tells us otherwise. Again, but that's not to discount that it could be the a possibility. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's but that's based right. on information at hand, um, all time will tell. Sort of yeah, well, time will tell, but at the, for the information we have now, mm-hmm. all it leads to naturalistic causes, meaning mm-hmm. emerge in a particular environment and a particular market and then spread the way viruses spread. Mm-hmm. Um, but even taking that position, um, it means we're relying on certain expertise to tell us how these things develop and how Correct. they move, Correct. Um, which lends uh, the conversation to something... Um, equally problematic whose opinion do we trust who's who is mon- an expert who's monopolizing this information yeah. who's mono- and 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 that's that's an important aspect to keep in how mind. do we get around that how do we get around that how do we trust the opinion of expert how do we trust the expertise of experts when for instance for a long time you know we were told you know tobacco consumption was not um, a fatal choice that asbestos was always a safe material to use in construction yeah um, fat is an issue and fat sugar was is a problem is and not, sugar was, not an issue was the, the, the better alternative and, yeah. and these things have a habit of being flipped on their head mm-hmm. and so experts are telling us um, you know something about COVID-19 mm-hmm. um, do you have confidence in that expertise? I mean uh, th- there's, a, there's a certain level that we, we have to have some form of trust mm-hmm. now uh, if you think about it you always have to take things with a grain of salt um, regardless of who it is right? Uh, except of, obviously what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us uh, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yeah. that's an important uh, aspect to keep in mind the rest of it uh, you can call it it's a form of ijtihad mm. on their part which is obviously completely different than the framework of the ijtihad that we do in our Islamic sciences but there's a, there's a level though the, 
I would say that there has to be a level of of uh, of agreement on some ma- mm-hmm. some mechanisms and some some. Do you think points. on an issue like this, who could be the highest source of authority? Um, you know, we all have you know on, on a on a national level, we have um, certain expertise that governments refer to, mm. um, and we have. Um, the gentleman, I don't remember his name, but the chief medical officer in this country that the government relies on for medical yep. advice. Yep. Um, you know, and every state has its equivalent. Yep. Um, and there are various regional bodies and there are international bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- a prominent voice in this conversation is the World Health Organization. Right. Um, you know, should we trust their voice? You know, it, would there, would, do we have any reason um, to discount, delegitimize, question... Um, or be skeptical about uh, the opinions that they produce. There's plenty, obviously. <laughs> you, you have to see the the central organizations of the world, the UN, or the, even when you look at the World Bank and things like that, and IMF. Look at their track record. Look at the uh, the blind eye that they turn to to atrocities around the world. And again, n- we we can't say, we, we can't discount things completely mm. but we have to keep that in our front of mind yeah and i think that tells us the sort of the dilemma we're in at the moment yeah you know you made a point right you mentioned in passing this idea of monopolization of knowledge mm-hmm. right and for a long time the west has produced the bulk of the knowledge mm-hmm. um, that the rest of the world takes for granted it's been happening for quite some time on the back of what islam has produced in its golden ages isn't it yeah 100 percent um tune into the next episode um <laughs> But monopolizing knowledge yeah. means that you know the majority of us are not going to have the ability um, or the resources to contest those opinions, to um, introduce checks and balances around those opinions, course, yeah. uh, which is why I find it interesting that you know in some countries, doctors are insisting on the application of face masks when mm-hmm. treating um, COVID-19 patients, and in other countries they're not. That's right. um, and, and obviously it boils down to a different understanding of how the virus spreads, mm-hmm. um, you know, but... And even the, the way that to, to, to treat it on a state level. Yeah, 100%. Look at Singapore and yeah, South Korea and uh, have dealt with it slightly differently yeah, than the rest the, of the world. The problem for me is, is you know, the monopolization of knowledge, mm-hmm. um, you know, skepticism over what is considered, um, you know, a, a given position at any point in time. Mm-hmm. And this is more than just the nature of empiricism and science itself. This is, you know, the 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 mechanism or the ability of capitalism or even democracy um, to to impede what otherwise would be impartial. You know, mm. to to skew outcomes of what should otherwise be, um, okay. you know, clear and Clearer, unbiased. Yeah, yeah. You know, to the extent possible, scientific mm. opinion. Um, but what gives him the most discomfort is the fact that this knowledge base comes out of those places of the world that have such atrocious records. Um, you know, whether it's Europe, Britain, America, mm-hmm. um, and their experiences with colonialism, their experiences with spreading diseases in the places mm-hmm. that they have colonized, um, and their complete indifference to. Uh, the sanctity of human life um, and I'm finding it incredibly difficult to reconcile the two and this is the Muslim dilemma isn't it or, or the, the, it's a dilemma across the Muslim world and even us living in the West um, yes they have this this track record we are in this crisis who do we turn to mm. um, obviously the the dua and our yaqeen and tawakkul is on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but who do we turn to for the means? Which is an important aspect, isn't it? We have to tie a camel. And I think, that's, I think that sort of alludes to one of the central dilemmas, dilemmas of Muslim life today. Mm. Uh, we're, we're not going to have an answer to that. Mm. And subhanAllah, we're going we're to come to this point in, in a little moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me just tickle your mind on, on sort of some very specific let's call them sort of geopolitical implications, mm-hmm. right? What are we witnessing with COVID-19? This is not just a medical phenomenon. No. This has tested everything from the political to the economic to the social right. and beyond. Um, we've seen uh, the redrawing of boundaries which were considered sacrosanct before, the line between government and free market, things like that. 
Um, the concept of the West, quote unquote, has been tested. Um, its role as international leader, beacon of uh, knowledge, expertise, political acumen, um, you know, the the resoluteness, the, the ability and willingness to make decisions for the greater good, etc. That's all being questioned. These things are look. That's a very polite way to say it. Um, <laughs> these things have been shattered. Yeah. You know, let me take you. Let, let's go through it one by one. Um, the most obvious, I think, is the issue of globalization. One of the most immediate things we saw with COVID nineteen is the shutting up of the borders. If if I were uh, to to play place it in Islamic term, Rabbi Nafsi. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what it's, happened. It's, for a long time, the, hell the, world, the world, the Western, I have my yeah, own problems. For a long time, the world's been telling us, <laughs> exactly. look, uh, the greater good, humanity in the human rights, right, yeah. for the greater good, yeah. um, democracy for the greater good. Yeah. Um, look, this thing, this, these things about borders are, are, are an impediment to the progress of humanity at large. Yeah. And for a long time, efforts have been made to Break down, break down those barriers, yep. ensure a free flow of, of people, trade. of trade, yep. of capital across borders. Um, and the idea of globalization at some point became like a sacred cow that to question it was to question your own humanity. Mm. Like how could you be against all it when it's progress, produced? Yeah, all the progress, mm, right? It's like questioning is as if you're questioning its its ability or its 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 record of uplifting millions if not billions of people mm -hmm. and this was always represented as a force of good mm -hmm. and so the conundrum is well if that is true how come the leading proponents of globalization have so whimsically turned their back on everything it represents yeah, yeah. you know the shutters have gone up the borders have been enforced um it's all now about it's not about the you know it's, the global it's finger pointing too right it's, it's, yeah you should, you should have shut that everything is about the national interest like, you know our conception of ourselves now as human beings has sort of gone back decades if not longer mm -hmm. where our, our 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 conception of ourselves is tied to the nation state yeah right so we sort of gone back a level from a globalized world and everything it's supposed to represent to now back to a national world the national interest and our primary concern is with what is regarded as citizenry, um, and this is completely the the complete antithesis to what globalization represents. Yeah. Having said that, we, we we've started to see that when Trump came online, right, and um, literally online as well <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> I, I refuse to follow him on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm sometimes shocked. I'm sometimes shocked. I think is is that has his has his account been hijacked? Yeah. <laughs> but. Lo and behold, it hasn't been hijacked. It was actually him. So we we started seeing this. Um, uh, I mean, even even the the US taking back a step, right? Looking at after its own interests, ensuring that the latest is South Korea pays up its five billion for yeah. for for that yeah, for, trying to put for, the for, on South for the army yeah. uh, for the American army to be there to protect it. Uh, same was obviously what we've seen in, with Saudi and other Gulf states. You have to pay for protection. Mm. Uh, so, so that that has already started being motion, but this, the, the, what what we've seen with COVID nineteen, is that that's only accelerated even more. And the way I see it on a, a personal level, it's only going to get worse. Uh, you know, what it points to in a way is globalization has always been presented in a certain way, yeah. positive, um, progressive, etc. Um, but its inherent fragility has been revealed to the world. Mm. I mean, it was nothing but a lie. Um, and its chief proponents mm. were the first to abandon it <laughs> when push came That's to right. shove, right. uh, which leads you to only one conclusion, that globalization was always a lie to benefit some more than others. Exactly. And, that's why and when that mean. happens, it's advanced, and when it's not, it's retreated. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's a lesson in itself. Mm -hmm. That you know, concept of free trade and free trade agreements, the concept of the World Trade Organization back in the days, um, the idea of internationalism, right, on the basis that was constructed not by the majority of humanity, mm -hmm. not by the majority of the countries in this world, mm -hmm. but by a select few, who who established architecture like the IMF, like the World Bank, like the United Nations, like the Security Council and the permanent seats on the Security Council. Mm -hmm that drove these changes and in, and in a way by force mm -hmm. politically militarily or economically by force 
but its fragility has been revealed to the world. There was nothing but a lie. And the Muslim world is, is sitting, sitting, just being caught in in the waves, whichever direction it's taken. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And that's a sad. Re- that, that's a sad. Matter, I think that's, that's the saddest reality, yeah, yeah. right? Which should uh, which should annoy us the most, which we'll come to in Shalom. Um, on the on the question of the government versus the free market, you know, another great lie of the West mm-hmm. that the free market should be the primary determinant, not just for economic imperatives. But as a basis for morality, mm-hmm. who gets to live, who doesn't? Who gets do, access to services? Do you want to explain that concept of free market for for, for Look, your average? Free market is person. not simply you know this, the issue of you know traditional economic supply and demand. Free market is a particular form of economics mm-hmm. where it has a very hostile view towards government and, and government interference, and says that the you know I don't want to use the word dollar, but the idea of utility. Mm-hmm. Um, is so central to not just economic life but human life and moral life mm-hmm. that it could be the determinant of all of that. Yeah. So it shapes our not just our economic life but our personal life, our social and moral life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the f- free market in the capitalist sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went so far because you had the idea of early liberalism and then you had um, beyond that sort of neoliberalism and it's tied into globalization and everything being reduced to economic um, units yeah. and our worth being defined in economic terms. Human life. Human life being defined in economic terms yeah. and our contribution to society being defined in economic terms. Sorry, I, just to, sorry not to cut you, but the best example that I, I, I remember reading about is that the cost to raise a child in 2019, I think it was when I read the article or something like that, $5 million till the till he reaches a particular age and this and that. And obviously that... Like, like you put put in a dollar value on absolutely everything. Yeah, look, I've <laughs> I've warned my kids that you know I'm keeping all the receipts, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and there'll be repatriations at some point. You've been hit by the bug. <laughs> I've been hit by the. the are only... you are you using it to your own convenience? Oh, hundred percent when <laughs> it suits me, of course. Of course, but uh, you know I, I'm not invoicing them for the capital that they offer, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. home and their contribution to it. Which is, uh, th- there was a, a Japanese minister that once, um, I think, again, to, to drive the point home, um, wished that uh, the elders would just die and pass away because it was just too costly. It was just yeah. too difficult for them to, to keep yeah. looking after there, it. And this, subhanAllah, this, this is this has is revealed some horrific... Um, comments and attitudes by people in positions of, of power, not yeah. just the random Joe from the street. That's right. People in who determine policy, yeah. right across across the Atlantic, across the seas as well. It's That's just right. been horrifying. I mean, it has revealed a lot. It's it's revealed the the fallacy of globalization. It's mm. revealed the fallacy of the whole free market theory. It's revealed the fallacy of you know certain social attitudes mm-hmm. that ultimately underpinned by economics, mm-hmm. right? And now everyone is very conveniently comfortable with the idea of government intervention. Yes. For decades we've been told this, there's nothing more evil in the world than governments getting in the way of, of the free, free market. market. Yeah, yeah. And that's been turned on its head, and it's been done many times. The like, look, look, look at when, when um, hand sanitizers mm. end up being you know, $70 instead of it, it being a $20 bottle. Yeah. Everyone runs to the, everyone's running to the government. Hey, 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 what's, what's going on? You should, you should regulate this, these things. Yeah. And that's the well, that's when it's convenient. The funny descriptor to that, of course, is you know proponents of free trade. Uh, what they you know quote unquote they're against socialism in principle, mm. but they're not against corporate socialism. Mm. They're happy to take bailouts yeah. for themselves, but they're not happy for funds to go to the dire and the desperate and those who can't feed themselves or home themselves. Yeah. It's a certain version of socialism yeah. that they only uh, ascribe to. And we saw that in the GFC with, 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 with the bailout of the banks in, in the US. Even now, obviously, we're hearing Qantas and Virgin uh, Airlines you know, asking for bailouts. Um, and in a way... And, and then competing with one another. And in a way, <laughs> demanding. Bailouts. Yeah, yeah that's In right. a way, demanding. It's all right. You know, it's, 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 it's been presented a certain way, yeah. but it's not this polite conversation, please, mm. can you, we are... It's not like that at all. It doesn't work like that because it, you know, it underpins everything that sort of is, is so fractured with the economy. Mm. What about on the question of, you know, because we're talking about the collapse of international order. We'll talk about geopolitical shifts in a second. Sort of one more point I want to mention here is the damage done to the brand called quote unquote the West. The West. The Again, West. for a long time, peak of civilization, mm. peak of knowledge, expertise, uh, political acumen, 
the ability to make decisions um, and to make them for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, this has taken a huge blow. It definitely has. I mean, uh, you know, um, whether people like the Europe uh, is being ravaged, yeah, right. America has fumbled from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, they're squabbling amongst themselves. They spent twenty three weeks. Uh, Trump spent three three weeks mm. d- dismissing the idea. Yeah, or downplaying yeah, it. Downplaying it. Trump lines that we're going to be all right. Yeah, everything's right. Yeah. And he kept praising himself for so long. I've yeah. got this. I've got this, guys. Trust me. I've got this. Um, and the latest press conference, clearly. Yeah, but it's revealed. You know, this this thing has revealed so much. Mm. You know, the image of what the West is supposed to represent. It's fractured that image, yeah. It's been shattered. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Europe doesn't have the ability to respond. It's been overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, America doesn't have the propensity to respond. It's so internally fractured. Um, it's so concerned with itself mm-hmm. that it doesn't realise that this is a global phenomenon, right? The idea that it's seeking to retreat from the world um, and prefer isolationism over engagement. Yeah. This is its consequence. And they haven't been able to stop the spread. Mm-hmm. Like other countries, much smaller countries, like Singapore, like South, South Korea, Korea, they South went Korea. in a completely different trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, but the concept of the West being the panacea for all of us, been completely shattered. Yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think uh, even within the Muslim world, I mean, if anything, we, um, we've started to see it but I think these sort of events just highlight it. And subhanAllah, this is the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how he brings about these events in particular times where, it, like, it, it, just, just prior to that, just prior to that, let's, let's even think a couple of months ago. Where were we? We were dealing with, we, we, we were out in uh, protesting for the Uyghurs in, in China. We, and, and prior to that, we had, and we still have the issue of Yemen. And we have the issue of Burma. And Syria continues to bleed. Haftar in, Bli- in Libya. And the list goes on and on. And we know for a fact that the West is complicit in this. We know for a fact, undoubtedly. And when the West goes and, and stands up in, in the UN and demanding uh, China to stop uh, its concentration camps, it's not doing it for the sake of humanity. It's just convenient. Yeah. It's putting more economic Every pressure on Every time things like this happen, it reveals the underbelly of capitalism itself. Um, every catastrophe, natural or otherwise, you know, we talk about homelessness in America. You talk about the racial divides in America. You talk about the class divides in America. Mm-hmm. All of this immediately comes to the fore. Right? I always describe capitalism as a great Ponzi scheme. Hmm. It will survive oh. as long as people believe it's lie. And, and that's the music it. It, just, stops. it rests on a lie. It's built on a lie, yeah. and it continues because people are still ready to believe in the lie. Mm. And that's primarily with the fiat currency. Yeah. Um, right. You can do a lot with that, and they've done a lot with that. And that's what they've done in the bailouts, right? In the GFC, hundred percent. It's just pump 100%. that money and get people to believe that things are fine, and and that's fine. Go go ahead and and start spending, yeah. <laughs> and borrowing for that sake. Let's take a micro view of things um, geopolitically. Mm. Um, again, this is not just a medical phenomenon. This is not a public health issue alone. Um, this is going to have real, real big geopolitical implications. Mm. There are shifting lines that are moving as we speak. Mm. Let me list, list a couple of them. Right? There's the phenomenon of America and its position in the world, mm. which has been tested for a while. Um, and they seem to have made a decision, and it didn't come just with Trump, mm. but they seem to have made a decision to try to the, to the best of their ability to return to a more sustainable form of engagement and move towards, to a greater degree, isolationism. Yeah. Whether it can't afford to continue to do what it's always been doing or it's not seeking, the, it's not to realise in the benefits that it used to, that it used to accrue, uh, there are various considerations here. Obviously, the emergence of China is, is a significant factor of that. And the, and the shifting dynamics in the Muslim world is a significant factor of that too. Mm, mm. But there's also the question of European disintegration um, that needs to, be, needs to be considered. Look, on the first point... It, Italy was sort of left... Yeah, look, Italy was screaming <laughs> out from day one. That's right. Was screaming out from day one. Yeah. And you think, who would be the first to respond to Italy's pleas? Yeah. It would be Europe. Europe. It European turned Union. its back. Shut the borders. <laughs> Shut <laughs> quick. Like, that was the, the, the basic Save response. The and everyone was thinking, mm. like, if I commit myself to, to Italy, how am I going to serve my own population? Right. And everyone's got an eye on, on the next election. Mm. Everyone's got an eye on, on the reality of what they confront. This is, 
you know, potentially going to be a very, very serious consideration for them. This mm. is, could cost a lot of lives and could, could fracture in, you know, an already fragile system. And which government in power wants that? Mm. And so they were ignored. In the same way that Greece previously, uh, during its financial crisis, was ignored. Oh, Europe, turned around and said, <laughs> Europe turned around and said, thanks, but no thanks. We're not going to keep lending you money. Mm. Right? And Spain is crying out. Right? Everyone has turned inwards. Mm. This idea of... Rabbi Nafsi again. Rabbi Nafsi, Rabbi It didn't take much... Yeah. Uh, to force a comprehensive change. Now, these things were bubbling along. Mm. You see the, uh, the emergence of right-wing parties and the idea of nationalism and the hostility towards refugees and whatnot. There are certain shifting dynamics mm. in which, which is causing Europe and America to respond in particular ways. Mm. There are certain global phenomena, global shifts in geopolitical terms that are creating these necessary responses, or at least that's the only way they know how to respond. So mm. the positions and the privileges that Europe enjoyed... Uh, that America enjoyed for so long um, aren't there anymore mm. to the extent they were uh, with or with the ease with which they were accrued previously. Um, you know, money's running out, populations are aging. Um, the reality of the world is that you can't just take one side of globalization and reject the other. If you're going to have free flow of capital, for instance, then you're going to necessitate the free flow of people. people you can't have one without the other. Um, and Europe and, and America has felt the brunt of that in terms of migration and things like that. To bring um, that example home, actually, yeah. I, I was just reading about uh, the issue of, I don't know if you know, uh, how some medical supplies were flown from Australia to China, uh, around 80 tonnes of those or whatever it is that it was. And, and here we are saying, you know, we have free trade, China's our best partner in terms of, yeah. uh, of our trade partners and that all of a sudden when they actually needed it so they didn't they didn't fly out this equipment for no good reason when they actually needed it and they were sinking all of a sudden say hold on hold on hold on no it's our interests <laughs> yeah. and and again it, it's these small examples that really show the, the extent of the problem on the world stage uh, what would be the implications of America retreating because this is what it's doing. It's retreating internationally. Yeah. It's so fundamentally fractured internally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in America today is the equivalent of the, it's, it's the modern sick man. You, 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 you know, you could, you could it was so slow to respond, mm -hmm. so incompetent in its response, mm -hmm. it's so sluggish um, that it, it can, cannot be described except as the modern sick man. Mm. And obviously that was a reference that was used to the, towards the, the late Uthmani Khilafah. That's right. Um, and there are reasons for that. It was justified, but the bug seems this particular virus seems to have crossed the Atlantic. Atlantic, yeah. And and this is the only way that I think you could describe America yeah. today. Yeah. But is this the end of capitalism? That's that's what's on everyone, everyone's mind, is it? Well, do you think this this is it? The next episode. <laughs> this is it. Well, look, things are gonna you know, be uprooted and changed all of a sudden, or no? It'd be, because it doesn't work like that. Mm. Um, you know, it, it doesn't work like that. Look, capitalism. I would argue has been sick from day one. Mm. Um, but because people bought into the lie, um, it's persisted for so long. Mm -hmm. um, and although it was constructed artificially, it's, it's, you know, it has real-world consequences, so it's accrued things that are material in nature, mm -hmm. um, and it has wielded that with power and authority and mm. persisted for as long as it has. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not going to... like Systems don't collapse from within. Even when you talk about the Soviet Union, the, the former Soviet Union... It did not just fall over by itself. Mm -hmm. There was a Cold War that was ravaged for, for decades, and America did everything it could in every conceivable way to bring about its demise. And that's the same thing with capitalism. Mm -hmm. Because everyone's bought into the lie of capitalism, including China, um, and they've tied themselves and their economies and their fate in the world with capitalism itself, even if it's a particular version of it, or they want some parts and not the other. But fundamentally... They're all invested in the same system. Exactly. So it's not going to end anytime soon unless something emerges that violently interrupts um, the peace that's born about by the great lie. Which is where the opportunity lies, isn't it? Yeah, which is sort of the next conversation about the absence mm. of Islam from this conversation. Um, so we're, we've been sitting on the sidelines, haven't we? Look, 
you know, for how long have we we've been, been sitting? We've been sitting not, not just on the sidelines. Yeah. We've been sitting under the boots <laughs> of others for so long that we forgot how long it has been. But let's put it this way: you know, it's always, you know, it's always important to appreciate how Islam um, becomes part of this conversation or is absent from this conversation, and it's a determinant of. So it's indicative of the position of the Muslim world mm-hmm. at large. So what sort of stories, the sort, you know, the sort of stories we f- we hear about Islam and Muslims in the context of COVID yeah. is um, Muslim charities, um, Muslim businesses doing good. Wudu. Uh, Wudu. That's very important. The, you know, the significance of um, Islam's position on hygiene and how indeed Mm-hmm. This could have prevented much of what we're experiencing today. Black seed oil. Don't Black seed oil as a utopian solution to all things. All things. Yeah. Um, but that's not, not to discount it, by the way. No, I mean, we're not, it has its we're not discounting that or any of the, but the to say m- it's for prophetic all, medicines. Yeah. But that's it. It's the particular framing of Islam. That's right. Um, as if Islam only has that particular contribution to make. It reminds me of when uh, when the Muslims are looked at here or especially a, a sector, or even the Lebanese within the Australian community. We love your hummus and tabbouleh. That's the first thing that they come up with. Is, is that it? Is that it? Is that our contribution to humanity? Yeah. Look, and some <laughs> and Muslims, that's what it's reduced to. Some Muslims would go as far as to say that, uh, yeah, you know what? This is all that we have going for us at the moment. Yeah. And we should be happy with that. Yeah. As if that's all that is. You know, the, uh, some of us become so... So defeated with what we've experienced by what we've experienced, some of us have internalized, um, you know, the the attitude towards Islam that are carried by mm-hmm. um, our enemies. Um, but you know what it also reveals? Mm-hmm. Um, it reveals the extent to which Islam here in the West has been secularized. And you know, a good example of that. There's a certain conversation that it's difficult for us to have, honestly and What's openly. That? And that is how Allah subhanahu wa turns things on their heads. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punishes an oppressor. That's right. You know, it's almost as if we're embarrassed to say this openly. You know, it's one thing. You know, the funniest thing is it's mentioned only in a very narrow Muslim context. So uh, an opinion we often hear is, look, brothers and sisters, take this as an opportunity to reassess your position in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which we should be doing with or without a virus, constant. I might add, right? It's, it should be yeah, a constant right. Right. aspect of the Islamic personality. This is the concept of muhasaba, right? That's is right. It, and it to needs account oneself. To account oneself. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the message we're receiving is, well, brothers and sisters, um, clearly we must have angered Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in some respect. Mm-hmm. So think about the sins we're committing or the obligations we're neglecting and correct yourself mm-hmm. and draw yourself closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's but where the conversation ends. That's or where the, the conversation extent, or ends. Or the extent of muhasaba yeah. or accountability. That's where but I'm stops. thinking to myself, is it just me? <laughs> like, have, have we all missed the most obvious? Yeah. Like, what could be worse? Like, even the worst Muslim, for instance, yeah. still believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. doesn't seek to rival the position of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no. let alone subjugate his deen under him. And I'm thinking, how did we miss everything that the West represents, everything exactly. that Kufr represents, not just challenging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mm-hmm. but being so arrogant, right, right, that they seek to subdue the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on their terms. And so like long it's, And it's not like, it's not just enough for them to try to create their own religion, mm. Right, their own gods, but they want to subdue Islam as well, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And they've caused how much oppression bloodshed. and bloodshed in their, in their histories and are continuing to, to, to spill and to cause. But, but we have to account ourselves. But we can't say that. No. no. We can't say that. And, and, and this is a sad reality. Like why are we afraid to say that? Mm. Like the, the evidences are clear in the Quran that mm. Allah allows oppressor to continue for so long, mm-hmm. but when he least expects it, that's it. Right, he'll snatch him. Right, and and he'll see he'll see the value of his of his of his um, uh, oppression, and and that's that's been the nature of life since time immemorial. The, the, subhanallah, the stories of Pharaoh, Thamud, Ad, all of them, like yeah, look at the levels that they've reached. They 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 have like Pharaoh. He, he wasn't Trump. Pharaoh was not Trump. Pharaoh said uh, he, he he claimed he was Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was God. He was a God. 
انا ربكم الاعلى انا ربكم الاعلى that's why yeah what what how um how much more audacious can you be and 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 yet you know we can't account you can't you know what this reveals ultimately right for a long time america 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 the west the west the west um and they're too strong they they got too much of a, a grip over us mm-hmm. um you know ac- political and uh, you know military actors in the muslim world have always been afraid to take um necessary steps mm-hmm. um for our own liberation as the muslim world and the arguments have always been the same america's too strong the west is too strong their influence is too great their stranglehold over us is too much they're too powerful we are too weak they're far advanced and we are so backward that's right and this is replicated on a micro level here in this country as well mm-hmm. and in most other places that who are we to challenge the government what capability do we have what you know and we, and we and again we put ourselves down look at how fractured we are look at how weak we are look at how under and we can come up with a million excuses but ultimately the position is they're too strong we're too weak it's as if it's subhanallah and this is the issue with 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 our relationship with the quran and i've mentioned it a number of times we read these stories as if no no it doesn't apply now okay maybe someone won't won't say that very clearly but everything that they um that uh, that's added on their tongue it's it's as if they're saying that there's as if our story yeah then that, that's to them it's a little bit different now subhanallah when you describe it like that it's almost as if there's a certain dissonance between what we read and how we take what we read that's right like how it's, it's not as if we can not so, believe in that mm. but we're uncomfortable applying that mm. or applying its message practically mm. because of the real world consequences it's not easy to challenge authority to challenge power um but allah subhanahu has reminded us that despite everything they have what's the most important thing that we have and who's on our side Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when at, at what point did this become an issue of doubt yeah. did Allah not say that he is in control exactly that the whole world works under his authority mm. not a single thing can happen on this earth without mm. it being from exactly. his permission exactly subhanahu wa ta'ala and even if someone could not see it happening and this is this is where I think an important point many people don't see it happening but you have to have yaqeen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control you have to, this is part of your aqidah this is when you say la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah and you believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sovereignty and uh, you believe that he has yeah, the ability to turn things upside down and the, and this and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us of these stories 100% yuthabbit bihi fu'adak Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the sayyid muhammad rasulullah so he he's going to affirm your heart so let these subhanallah these these events remind us when of you, where we are when you really. think about it you think take your back time take your mind back to the time of the hijrah mm-hmm. and let's look at the condition of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the companions at that time yeah and by any rational assessment by any material consideration no one in their right mind could have imagined that the hijrah was going to happen under those circumstances, circumstances. at that point in time or they'll be knocking on kisra's doors or caesar's mm-hmm. door but there is a way in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turns the affairs mm-hmm. um, he tests us yeah. tests our patience mm-hmm. tests our resolve tests our iman um, but there's a reality of not being in power mm-hmm. there's the reality of powerlessness mm-hmm. to place expectations over ourselves that we should be doing this or we must accomplish this before nusra can come um, as as if we're missing the point about the fact that we don't have the power and capacity to do that mm. we're talking about practical considerations of course the muslim world is backward mm. what do you expect of course you know our resources are using of course the kufar have their hands over us of course of course Allah, what did you expect when the khilafah was destroyed mm. what did you expect when they colonized our lands like mm. what does that imply there's almost some level of dissonance there um that allows us to place unrealistic expectations mm. um we need to do our job but we need to be clear about what that job is let me just quickly because i don't want to go for too long we shouldn't go for too long inshallah let me just people want to go to sleep now. let me prick your mind a little bit let me pick your mind a little bit yeah um if it's problematic how we're imagining ourselves today mm-hmm. um then how would you like muslims to imagine themselves and their islam in the context of covid-19 what contribution should we be making to this conversation subhanallah you can tackle it from different angles um but before that 
you touched upon a very important point. Yeah. And uh, subhanallah, uh, it, it, what did you expect when the Khilafah was destroyed? The, 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 the point here was hit home. It just hit home two weeks ago, three weeks ago, especially in Australia. What do you expect when your masajid are closed? Oh, and everyone was so emotional about it. How do you think the Muslims felt at the time? Right? And it's not, I mean, it's, it's not five, six generations ago, right? It's, it's my grandfather and, your gra- and, and his grandfather or his father, subhanAllah. Uh, what did you expect for things to, uh, how, do you, how do you expect, yeah, subhanAllah, it, hit, it definitely hit home. People home. started getting it. SubhanAllah, when you re- remember the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, about the knots of Islam being untied, mm. it really hit one. home. No one would have imagined that there will come a point in time, mm-hmm. the life of the ummah, where we will not have the ability to pray in our masjids, yeah. that we'll be locked out of the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. Right? But the hadith tells us this. And it's almost as if, okay, guys, we've reached our lowest point. It really can't get worse than that. It says the Prophet says right, the knots of Islam will be untied one by one. And it's part of a longer hadith. It says yeah. the first to be untied will be the authority, will be the ruling of what Allah has revealed. Mm-hmm. And the last knot to be untied will be the salah. You know, and before COVID-19 and the closing of the masjids, I always used to make this point that we shouldn't be surprised that there are Muslims who don't pray. Mm. Right? The culture is right. The, the place is corrupted, etc. People are going to be negligent in their responsibilities. Mm-hmm. We live in, in the midst of kufur, mm-hmm. but it was always from this angle. Mm. But to actually institutionalize it in the way that many other aspects of Islam, its absence have been institutionalized and yeah. prevented for us, this has. Mm-hmm. And it hits home on an entirely Deeper, different level. Very emotional too. It's it's confronting. Mm. Really it's confronting, but it's a reminder Mm -hmm. that there is a way in which Islam is supposed to be lived. That's right. And there is a way in which Islam is supposed to make the contribution it's designed to make. You know, it's not about just our individual moral positions on the issue. It's not about our position vis-a-vis, you know, authority. That what will they say if we continue our mas- to open our masjids? What will the public sentiment be? That's that, that's look. That's all good, like everything. That's all great, but that's not the central conversation here. The conversation it's is really look, global, the whole world leadership. Yeah, it? the whole world is reimagining how they uh, and a new way of being. Right, we talked about some aspects, you know, national versus international, uh, the free market versus the government, the individual versus the collective. Um, should we place such a significance on the dollar when there's other considerations like humanity? Mm-hmm. And this concept was belittled for so long. You know, concepts like this, Islam has a particular ideological vision for the world, not just for ourselves, but for the world. The, a way of being, a way of, of shaping existence, being in tune with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created in obedience to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's almost as if we've been made to feel embarrassed by that. Exactly. You know, but there's a certain. Well, it's not sufficient for this world, or it's, yeah, it should yeah, take. Or it's a, just it's left a, as an abstract, or we just try to internalize it and yeah. individualize it. You know, but Islam's contribution to this. Okay, how would we reimagine the world? How will we reorganize political life such that it places humanity at its core, mm-hmm. and not just in a rhetorical sense, in a real sense? Exactly. Um, how will it demonstrate to the world where its priorities lie through its investment in industry? And in healthcare, and in all of these, you know, technological developments. And this is a phenomenon that we talk about about gold when we refer to golden ages. Mm. This is a reality of Muslim life. Exactly. We're constantly invested in these things, but for the right reasons, not just to make a dollar out of it, but because any pr- any progress on the human level, any betterment of the human condition, is a positive thing for us. Even if we have to spend our own money in it, and we know that every Muslim knows that they're happy to give charity. Because there's a greater good for it in this life and in the next. Exactly. And sacrifice on various levels. It's That's right. That. Uh, Muslims having a voice on the global stage, mm-hmm. you know, in the absence of the Khilafah. That's not going to be a reality. That's not even going to be uh, something that we can imagine. Mm-hmm. But these are the sorts of, you know, uh, views or aspects of Islam that we need to center in this entire conversation. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, we need to realize that for a long part, for a long time, not only have we been on the sidelines, right? We've been out of the stadium. We've not been Completely allowed, out. you know, like the gates have been locked to us and we're just trying to like 
peer over peer over Please, the fence, give us a you know, and see what's going on in the world as if we have no contribution. No, no, no. You know that we need to reimagine ourselves, right? And COVID is a good a time as ever to force that reimagination, to reconnect to the Deen, to reconnect to what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has written um, and designed for us, um, and and place this this new view of ourselves firmly at the core of conversations around COVID and all other conversations around the market, around the government, around the idea of citizenry and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're important conversations we need to have. Um, but and and something the average Muslim should be involved in these conversations. We should, should be leading these should, conversations. Should be, should, be, should be taking the lead on that. As you every know. single Muslim, and let me stress this, every single Muslim is a spokesperson for Islam. Don't be waiting for certain people, organizations, institutions. We have to demonstrate this in our everyday lives. Everyone has the ability to, um, and everyone has the responsibility to. We should not belittle this at all, but at the same time make our efforts productive by organizing them, coordinating them for the purpose of uh, activism. Uh, These are important conversations. Um, There are many things which... We have addressed. There are many things which, unfortunately, we can't address. Handle that permit. Um, I'm still unsure, genuinely, whether you believe in Area 51, right, or the landing. <laughs> we'll of leave the, that of for episode number four. Um, but I'm going to take your word for it, whatever it is. But inshallah, um, we say, look, may Allah subhanahu wa taala, He to help us, and I say us as humanity, protect us, provide for us, secure for what is currently ravaging the world um, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitate this period as a means by which we can reassert ourselves as an ummah Amen. and our central place Amen. on the global stage and really do this not just for our sake but for the sake of humanity inshallah uh, Brother Ramzi I say barakallah for coming today for I'll shake your hand but I'm maintaining my two minutes naturally we need to lead by example um <laughs> Brothers and sisters, for engaging us in this conversation. I hope, inshallah, that whatever is spoken of today will be um, carried on after today. This is a conversation that is critical for us Mm -hmm. and for the entirety of humanity, and we hope, inshallah, we do justice to it. From us, from now, we say, Jazakallah wa khairan, wa salamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.